Section 17 of A Voyage to the Moon by Cyrano de Bergerac Translated by Archibald Lovell This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15 Of the Books in the Moon and Their Fashion Of Death, Burial and Burning Of the Manner of Telling the Time And of Noses Next morning, about nine o'clock, my spirit came in and told me that he was come from court, where one of the queen's maids of honour had sent for him and that she had inquired after me protesting that she still persisted in her design to be as good as her word that is that with all her heart she would follow me if i would take her along with me to the other world which exceedingly pleased me said he when i understood that the chief motive which inclined her to the voyage was to become christian and therefore i have promised to forward her design what lies in me and for that end to invent a machine that may hold three or four wherein you may mount to-day both together if you think fit i'll go seriously set about the performance of my undertaking and in the meantime to entertain you during my absence i leave you here a book which heretofore i brought with me from my native country the title of it is the states and empires of the sun with an edition of the history of the spark i also give you this which i esteem much more it is the great work of the philosophers composed by one of the greatest wits of the sun he proves in it that all things are true and shows the way of uniting physically the truths of every contradiction as for example that white is black and black white that one may be and not be at the same time that there may be a mountain without a valley that nothing is something and that all things that are are not but observe that he proves all these unheard-of paradoxes without any captious or sophistical argument when you are weary of reading you may walk or converse with our landlord's son he has a very charming wit but that which i dislike in him is that he is a little atheistical if he chance to scandalize you or by any argument shake your faith fail not immediately to come and propose it to me and i'll clear the difficulties of it any other but i would enjoin you to break company with him but since he is extremely proud and conceited i am certain he would take your flight for a defeat and would believe your faith to be grounded on no reason if you refused to hear his having said so he left me and no sooner was his back turned but i fell to consider attentively my books and their boxes that's to say their covers which seemed to me to be wonderfully rich the one was cut of a single diamond incomparably more resplendent than ours the second looked like a prodigious great pearl cloven in two my spirit had translated those books into the language of that world but because i have none of their print i'll now explain to you the fashion of these two volumes as i opened the box i found within somewhat of metal almost like to our clocks full of i know not what little springs and imperceptible engines it was a book indeed but a strange and wonderful book that had neither leaves nor letters in fine it was a book made wholly for the ears and not the eyes so that when anybody has a mind to read in it he winds up that machine with a great many strings then he turns the hand to the chapter which he desires to hear and straight as from the mouth of a man or a musical instrument proceed all the distinct and different sounds which the lunar grandees make use of for expressing their thoughts instead of language 
when i since reflected on this miraculous invention i no longer wondered that the young men of that country were more knowing at sixteen or eighteen years old than the greybeards of our climate for knowing how to read as soon as speak they are never without lectures in their chambers their walks the town or travelling they may have in their pockets or at their girdles thirty of these books where they need but wind up a spring to hear a whole chapter and so more if they have a mind to hear the book quite through so that you never want the company of all the great men living and dead who entertain you with living voices this present employed me about an hour and then hanging them to my ears like a pair of pendants i went a-walking but i was hardly at end of the street when i met a multitude of people very melancholy four of them carried upon their shoulders a kind of a hearse covered with black i asked a spectator what that procession like to a funeral in my country meant he made me answer that that naughty called so by the people because of a knock he had received upon the right knee being convicted of envy and ingratitude died the day before and that twenty years ago the parliament had condemned him to die in his bed and then to be interred after his death i fell a laughing at that answer and he asking me why you amaze me said i that that which is counted a blessing in our world as a long life a peaceable death and an honourable burial should pass here for an exemplary punishment what do you take a burial for a precious thing then replied that man and in good earnest can you conceive anything more horrid than a corpse crawling with worms at the discretion of toads which feed on his cheeks the plague itself clothed with the body of a man good god the very thought of having even when i am dead my face wrapped up in a shroud and a pike depth of earth upon my mouth makes me i can hardly fetch breath the wretch whom you see carried here besides the disgrace of being thrown into a pit hath been condemned to be attended by an hundred and fifty of his friends who were strictly charged as a punishment for their having loved an envious and ungrateful person to appear with a sad countenance at his funeral and had it not been that the judges took some compassion of him imputing his crimes partly to his want of wit they would have been commanded to weep there also all are burnt here except malefactors and indeed it is a most rational and decent custom for we believe that the fire having separated the pure from the impure the heat by sympathy reassembles the natural heat which made the soul and gives it force to mount up till it arrive at some star the country of certain people more immaterial and intellectual than us because their temper ought to suit with and participate of the globe which they inhabit however this is not our neatest way of burying neither for when any one of our philosophers comes to an age wherein he finds his wit begin to decay and the ice of his years to numb the motions of his soul he invites all his friends to a sumptuous banquet then having declared to them the reasons that move him to bid farewell to nature and the little hopes he has of adding anything more to his worthy actions they show him favour that's to say they suffer him to die or otherwise are severe to him and command him to live when then by plurality of voices they have put his life into his own hands he acquaints his dearest friends with the day and place these purge and for four and twenty hours abstain from eating 
then being come to the house of the sage and having sacrificed to the sun they enter the chamber where the generous philosopher waits for them on a bed of state every one embraces him and when it comes to his turn whom he loves best having kissed him affectionately leaning upon his bosom and joining mouth to mouth with his right hand he sheathes a dagger in his heart i interrupted this discourse saying to him that told me all that this manner of acting much resembled the ways of some people of our world and so pursued my walk which was so long that when i came back dinner had been ready two hours they asked me why i came so late it is not my fault said i to the cook who complained i asked what it was o'clock several times in the street but they made me no answer but by opening their mouths shutting their teeth and turning their faces awry how cried all the company did you not know by that that they showed you what it was o'clock faith said i they might have held their great noses in the sun long enough before i had understood what they meant it's a commodity said they that saves them the trouble of a watch for with their teeth they make so true a dial that when they would tell anybody the hour of the day they do no more but open their lips and the shadow of that nose falling upon their teeth like the gnomon of a sundial makes the precise time now that you may know the reason why all people in this country have great noses as soon as a woman is brought to bed the midwife carries the child to the master of the seminary and exactly at the year's end the skilful being assembled if his nose proves shorter than the standing measure which an alderman keeps he is judged to be a flat nose and delivered over to be gelt you'll ask me no doubt the reason of that barbarous custom and how it comes to pass that we amongst whom virginity is a crime should enjoin continence by force but know that we do so because after thirty ages experience we have observed that a great nose is the mark of a witty courteous affable generous and liberal man and that a little nose is a sign of the contrary wherefore of flat noses we make eunuchs because the republic had rather have no children at all than children like them he was still a-speaking when i saw a man come in stark naked i presently sat down and put on my hat to show him honour for these are the greatest marks of respect that can be showed to any in that country the kingdom said he desires you would give the magistrates notice before you return to your own world because a mathematician hath just now undertaken before the council that provided when you are returned home you would make a certain machine that he'll teach you how to do he'll attract your globe and join it to this during all this discourse we went on with our dinner and as soon as we rose from table we went to take the air in the garden where taking occasion to speak of the generation and conception of things he said to me you must know that the earth converting itself into a tree from a tree into a hog and from a hog into a man is an argument that all things in nature aspire to be men since that is the most perfect being as being a quintessence and the best devised mixture in the world which alone unites the animal and rational life into one none but a pedant will deny me this when we see that a plum tree by the heat of its germ as by a mouth sucks in and digests the earth that's about it that a hog devours the fruit of this tree and converts it into the substance of itself 
and that a man feeding on that hog reconcocts that dead flesh unites it to himself and makes that animal to revive under a more noble species so the man whom you see perhaps threescore years ago was no more but a tuft of grass in my garden which is the more probable that the opinion of the pythagorean metamorphosis which so many great men maintain in all likelihood has only reached us to engage us into an inquiry after the truth of it as in reality we have found that matter and all that has a vegetative or sensitive life when once it hath attained to the period of its perfection wheels about again and descends into its inanity that it may return upon the stage and act the same parts over and over i went down extremely satisfied to the garden and was beginning to rehearse to my companion what our master had taught me when the physiognomist came to conduct us to supper and afterwards to rest End of chapter 15